dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. Chapter 18 of Machiavelli's The Prince is the most controversial of them all. You could even say that it represents the heart of his thesis concerning the way in which princes should keep faith. It flies directly in contradiction to what most of us as Christian leaders understand as the power of leadership coming from Christ. And so it's a fascinating study to help us understand where Christ wants us to lead and how. Thanks, everybody, for being with us as we take a step deeper here in trying to understand Machiavelli's The Prince. And this is a really important study. You might say, well, you know, Father, this isn't exactly, you know, what I thought of when I thought of Christian leadership or, you know, as a Catholic trying to go deeper in my role as the head of a company, what does this have to do with me? I want to address that directly because, <laughs> my friends, it's by looking at the ways that our mind is influenced by the world around us and by trying to understand what's at the heart of it, that we empower ourselves to overcome the practical lies that actually impede our leadership from its full flourishing, okay? So in other words, like if you're called to lead your company, lead your family, lead your world, right? The different ways that you can lead. And all of you are, right? That's why you're here. If you're called to do that, you've got to understand that there's going to be attitudes that are imperceptible to you, that you've simply absorbed from the culture that's around you. Attitudes that trip you up and keep you back from being the leader that Christ is calling you to be. And there's many good things that come in our world today as well, but I want to address some of the pernicious lies that actually are at, at op operation in your minds as you go forward as a leader so that if we can detect them, we can also make them irrelevant or at least inconsequential to our decisions as a leader. And this is really important, especially because you are Christians. Since we are trying to follow Christ into the field of action and, influ and influential action in our world, we need to be very aware of all of the places where we are not going to be following Christ, even if it's involuntarily. The spots where we allow lies to penetrate into our minds and that make us actually not agents of the light, but instead agents of the darkness, even if we think that we're the agents of light. And Machiavelli represents one of those areas. He just co consolidates and concentrates so many of the logical ways the world operates into one concise statement that by studying it, we can identify it. And by identifying it, we can render it less consequential for our own actions. And by so doing, we can avoid the pitfalls that could keep us from being the leaders that Christ called us to be. What's more, and what I want to show you today, 
is that it actually shows us how beautiful the leadership is of Jesus and how he leads us in exactly the opposite way <laughs> from Machiavelli. And that if we follow Christ in his leadership, we're actually given even more power than Machiavelli could ever try to give us by his cunning. And so let's you know dive in. Let's start us off with a prayer today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we, we follow you into the light and we follow you into our leadership, we ask you for grace that by studying the thought of this writer, we might better understand the beauty of your Son, be fortified by his grace, and follow him in leadership. We thank you for this opportunity to study and serve you. We make this prayer through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chapter 18, right? The, this chapter has given greater offense than any other portion of Machiavelli's writings. Uh, this is just the consensus of many because it, it really does just... It, here's, I'm just going to read some of the quotes for you, right? Everyone admits how praiseworthy it is in a prince to keep faith and to live with integrity and not with craft. Nevertheless, our experience has been that those princes who have done great things have held good faith of little account and have known how to circumvent the intellect of men by craft and in the end have overcome those who have relied on their word. All right, so Machiavelli is making a big assertion here. He's like, if you want to be successful, then you must not be a man of integrity. To be successful, you have to sacrifice character. And what's even more is he'll go on here in chapter 18 to say you have to appear to have the character and simply be willing to, to lie your way into success. He says it this way. Therefore, it is unnecessary for a prince to have all the good qualities I have enumerated, but it is very necessary to appear to have them. Right? So you don't have to have them. You just have to appear that you do. Right? In other words, you find, a, you find and you tell a lie. Uh, and he, he goes on, he says, it's between if you had the, the power of a lion or the cunning of a fox, you should prefer the cunning of the fox to the power of the lion. Here's what he says. Therefore, it is necessary to be a fox to discover the snares and a lion to terrify the wolves. Those who rely simply on the lion do not understand what they are about. Therefore, a wise Lord cannot, nor ought he to, keep faith when such observance may be turned against him and when the reasons that cause him to pledge it exist no longer. If men were entirely good, this precept would not hold. But because they are bad and will not keep faith with you, you are not bound to observe it with them. Nor will there ever be wanting to a prince legitimate reasons to excuse this non-observance. Of this, endless modern examples can be given, showing how many treaties and engagements have been made void and of no effect through the faithlessness of princes. And he who has known best how to employ the fox has succeeded best. This is an amazing thought, right? Machiavelli is downright saying, if you want to succeed in leadership, you have to be able to lie. 
and you have to be able to lie boldfacedly and yet appear to be a person of integrity even while you employ your craft of cunningness to achieve success by whatever means possible. And it says this is just the consequence of chapter 15, where he says, look, the means justify the end. So if the end is to stay in, in state and you know that there are bad people around you who are going to take you down, you being a person of integrity will not keep you in your position of power. It's a really, and, and that gets into our minds, right? Because all of us want this position of power. So the question is, how bad do you want it? Do you want it so bad that you would sacrifice your soul for it? That's really the question. Would you rather have power without integrity than keep your integrity even if it meant lose your power? Where does leadership lie? Does leadership lie in having the power and the position? Or does leadership lie in the authority that you wield according to your character? And herein is the real question. How do you identify the two? Is it that you say, you know, as long as I maintain wealth and a good social position and my, my, my card-carrying membership at the country club, that's what makes me influential? Is it as long as that I have my boat and my house and, my, and all of my sporting goods? Is this what makes me influential? Should I be willing to trade in my integrity so that I keep my position on the football team? Keep my position in the student council? Keep my, you know, whatever it is that's in your little world of power and influence, which we know is a good thing. What is it worth to sacrifice in order to keep it? Machiavelli says, Sacrifice everything in order to keep it because the winner is the one who has that outward seat of power. My question for you is, is that what Jesus teaches us? And is that what the King of Kings and Lord of Lords did with his own life? If we look at the gospel, I think we find something entirely different. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org. And subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. Let's look again at, at, at Machiavelli just a little bit further so we can really let sink in all that he's saying here in chapter 18 of The Prince. He, he goes on, he, he's talking about how the successful leader, in his opinion, the successful leader, is the one who in the end, well, keeps the position that he has of power. He identifies success and power. Here's an example. He says, a prince, especially a new one, cannot observe all those things for which men are esteemed, being often forced in order to maintain the state to act contrary to fidelity, friendship, humanity, and religion. And therefore it is necessary for him to have a mind ready to turn itself accordingly as the winds and variations of fortunes force it. Yet as I have said above, not to diverge from the good if he can avoid doing so, but if compelled, then to know how to set about it. And he even goes forth to give the example of the Pope. This is a real, this guy really knows what he's doing, right? So he's like, and an example of this is the Pope. And he quotes, of course, Alexander VI, 
There was an Italian proverb at the time that said, Alexander never did what he said. Caesar never said what he did. Right? Alexander never did, did what he said. Caesar never said what he did. In other words, that he, he, they, they link Alexander the Pope with Julius Caesar, of all things. And according to, to Machiavelli anywhere, anyway, this is exactly what Alexander constantly did. He said that Alexander VI did nothing else but deceive men, nor ever thought of doing otherwise, and he always found victims. For there was never a man who had greater power in asserting or who with greater oaths would affirm a thing, yet would observe it less. Right? And nevertheless, his deceits always succeeded according to his wishes because he well understood this side of mankind. And what is that side? The side, according to Machiavelli, is that People actually want to be lied to. He says, it's really simple. He says, it is necessary to know that men are so simple and so subject to present necessities that he who seeks to deceive will always find someone who will allow himself to be deceived. <laughs> Do you guys see what Machiavelli is doing here? He's basically saying, look, we all know we're supposed to be people of integrity. We all know that good leaders, you know, have virtues and good leaders have character, character to them. And we all want that. But the fact is, you can't have it. If you're going to be in a state where people are, in fact, evil and who are constantly trying to subvert your power and take it away from you, you've got to be willing to play their game. And what that means is that you need to always tell people that you are in fact virtuous and that you in fact are someone of integrity and you have to act that way such so as to deceive them because they want to be deceived. Let them be deceived because they want to. What you need to do is hang on to power. Then they think that you're good even though you're not and you can proceed to continue to rule and maybe do some good things while you're at it. But in fact you won't be good. He has a beautiful little analogy, maybe beautiful, I don't know if anything with Machiavelli is really beautiful, but it, he does have an, a, a very uh, acute analogy that he uses. And he, it's the difference between seeing and touching. And he says, there is nothing more necessary to appear to have than this last quality, meaning religious. Inasmuch as men judge generally more by the eye than by the hand. Because it belongs to everybody to see you, to few to come in touch with you. Everyone who sees what you appear to be, few really know what you are. And those few dare not oppose themselves to the opinion of the many who have the majesty of the state to defend them. And in the actions of all men, and especially of princes, which it is not prudent to challenge, one judges by the result. And the result is that if you stay in power, then you deserve respect and you will get the respect of the people even if you yourself are no good. Now, do you see how present this is even for our own thinking? It says the end justifies the means and if the end is for me to continue to do good, then I need to overlook and even to myself, lie to myself about all those areas in my own life where I am, in fact, not good. And sometimes I might even put on the airs of goodness 
and in fact, not be good at all. This is a, a constant threat to us because it takes such humility to do the contrary. This is pure pride that just fl- inflates itself as if somehow or other we thought that if we weren't in the position of power that we have, Christ couldn't rule without us and that we are so necessary to whatever it is that we're doing supposedly for God that we're even willing to sacrifice our faith in God and our goodness with, with respect to other people in order to maintain it. We might not think of it as being, I mean, it seems so despicable to us, right? We're almost like, that's such hypocrisy. I hate that. Yes, but when push comes to shove, all of us are tempted by this. It goes all the way back to Judas and the 12 apostles, right? And the temptation that he must have underwent as he saw his Lord going to the cross or the fact that all 12 apostles fled Jesus Christ when the king of kings decided to reign on a throne made of wood, hanging between heaven and earth, stripped bare. There was only one apostle at the foot of his cross and his mother and a few of his disciples, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the wife of Clopas. There was just a few. There were four people listed by name. That's it. Where were the rest? Where will you and I be? When our Lord asks us to stay faithful to him, even in the midst of persecution, that would come because we kept faith and we did the right thing. You know, it's like that line, good people always come in last, right? This is how we, we're afraid of this. And yet when we look at our Lord, we see that the king of kings refused to violate the father's will and he refused to do anything contrary to God. Anything, even if it appeared that he was holy, the Lord wanted to not just appear to be holy. He wanted to, in fact, demonstrate to us the absolute power of true holiness. Just look at the difference between our Lord and Pontius Pilate. The Lord doesn't hesitate to tell Pontius Pilate, look, you are indeed ruling according to the ways of the world. What, you know, what that you have, you have authority, you exercise authority in the way of the world. But I am not of this world, and my kingdom does not belong to this world. I come from the Father, and my kingdom is in heaven. Which means that if we're called to lead as Christians, yes, we have to be attentive to the leadership that's exerted in the ways of the world, but we must not imitate it. We must be attentive to it because to a degree, we have to exert leadership in the same ways, building teams, understanding characters, being attentive to market conditions, et cetera, et cetera, making good strategies. Okay, because these things belong to this world. But what drives our leadership and what drives your leadership has to be something different than what drove Pontius Pilate's leadership because Pontius Pilate sacrificed the king of glory unto death. Okay, he made kind of a colossal mistake here in order to keep his earthly power, which in the end disappears anyway. I mean, where is he now, Pontius Pilate, right? (laughs) Where's the Roman Empire now? Guys, everything fades away. Do you think that your life fades away as well? Our Lord tells us no. I mean, we we need to have a bigger perspective, a more magnanimous heart, 
than you find in the in the those who rule of the world. You know, you think about what Machiavelli is telling us here. Go ahead and lie, appear to be good, and in fact be bad as long as you keep power. And you got to just shake your head because all of these fellows that he cites and all of his teaching, in fact, has passed away with him. And it's almost like Machiavelli, you think too little of yourself to think that you're, you are going to be able to coach a prince to last for 30 or 40 years on the throne. There's something much more important than lasting 30 or 40 years on the throne. There's who you are as you last eternally before the eye of God and all of heaven. This, my friends, is a battle that cannot be won by breaking faith. It's won only by keeping it. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. So Machiavelli does an amazing trick here for us of really putting a question in front of each one of us. What does it mean to lead? Machiavelli would say, as much as we don't want the broken world, we have to accept that the world is broken. And therefore, leadership means broken people using illicit means in order to navigate a polluted water and bring our vessel to shore any way that we can. And you could say, well, that makes sense. Matter of fact, many of us would say we have to agree with that. All of this spirituality, this prayerfulness, actually it doesn't have anything to do with how I need to run my business. I need to be full of craft. I need to find cunning ways to make my way through. I have to be able to be cutthroat and move my way beyond the understanding of the rights of the person or fair pricing. Whatever it takes in order to succeed, that's what it takes because this world is claimed by those who want to claim it. And I would just shake my head. Here's the deal. Machiavelli, when you say this, are you in fact steering the ship that you claim to be steering to port, to the right port? Meaning if you compromise moral integrity and compromise uprightness of heart, aren't you by the very same token compromising the very nature of leadership that you purport to defend? I think, in fact, that Machiavelli's insistence on compromise compromises the very essence of what he's trying to advance. You cannot be a true leader in the eyes of God and according to the teachings of the Lord, who, by the way, is always right. I just want to remind you of this. <laughs> you cannot be a true leader in the eyes of God if you are not a person, in fact, full of integrity. If you yourself are hollow, a whitewashed tomb, appearing beautiful on the outside but full of rot on the inside, you are no longer a leader. In fact, you will do a disservice to the very people you purport to defend. This is so important, my friends, because we all are tempted by compromise. We are all tempted to do evil and to play with what is wrong, especially if it keeps us in a position of power and authority. But when I look at our Lord, I see a man who allowed himself to be betrayed by one whom he called a friend, one with whom he broke bread, rather than break his own word of covenant to him. 
Right after he washes the feet of the apostles, one of the twelve turns his heel against him. And yet our Lord stays constant. You could think of the many ways that our Lord could have employed subterfuge in order to get himself out of the predicament that he was in because of his constancy and his truth. I mean, they brought in false people who falsely accused him of things. They, they turned him on his own words, even though he defeated them so many times in debate right in front of everybody. In the end, you know, they, they trump up a charge against him. They put him uh, with his back against the wall. He could have tried to get free instead of Barabbas. There's so many ways where, but he said, this is what my father wants of me. And you could say, wait, the father wants you to die on a cross? penniless and powerless. And our Lord, remember what he says, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. And the prince of this world is coming, but he has no power over me. I think what we have to do is reflect on what we see as power. The true power isn't from some sort of position that we have and we wield over people. We might have a position on the outside, but and that might, in fact, have a power over the people's bodies. But we as Christians aren't here just in order to move people's bodies or possessions or time or money or resources around and to become profitable thereby. Death comes to us all, my friend. You know, I mean, to have the perspective of what exactly am I really here for? Do you really limit yourself? And have you really navigated your history of life by looking at how much money you're going to make or what position of, of authority you're going to have in a business? If you have, you're short, you sold yourself so short. There's so much more to who you are. The real impact of a leader is what they do in the hearts and the inner spirits of those whom they lead. The spiritual legacy of leadership is the way that we inspire, fortify, and edify those who are underneath our authorities to dare great things, to do better things, to aim towards God, to make this world beautiful and excellent. I mean, is there any other impact that we really should be looking for? Christ didn't come in order to unleash you into this world to make a lot of money for him. Everything that he's given you, money, position, esteem, is with this point that you sanctify this world by bringing it to God and to knowledge of God. This is the true greatness of true leadership. And could there be anything better than this? Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.